1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, if you want to learn more about Cinda, you can go to www.cinda.org. But we don't only bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this show is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations, and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry because we are all over the net. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, on almost every major podcast platform just put in leadership beyond borders and you'll find us now listen when you listen to us you're going to listen to great advice leadership success stories that you can learn from stories that can motivate you stimulate new ideas and possibly even propel your career forward and i invite you to connect with me please send me your thoughts and insights to leadership at gmail.com or connect with me on my website leadershipbeyondborders.net. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. And what we're going to talk about today is one of my favorite subjects, startups and the startup ecosystem. Startups are essential because they drive economic growth. They are the source of new jobs, products, and services. They drive innovation and create wealth. And today, most founders have spouted from the generation of millennials, but that's going to change. By 2030, Gen Z will become the world's most significant democratic uh, democratic economy and studies show that almost two-thirds of gen z want to work for themselves so what does this mean it means startup ecosystems will boom and new startups will change the world they'll help us develop be more productive and this new generation will develop new products and services that make it easier for us to get our work done they will create new working methods that make us more efficient and therefore it is critical for us to ensure and nurture these startup ecosystems today to help them prepare for tomorrow. In this episode, we speak with an expert on startup ecosystems. And our guest today is Ed Frank, and he's the founder and CEO of Access Innovation, a Tel Aviv-based open innovation consultancy that focuses on bringing cutting-edge technologies to its clients and create growth and solve problems or invest. Access Innovation, based in Tel Aviv, is a global innovation consultancy connecting corporations and investors with tech startups via scouting, open innovation challenge events, investive banking and more. Access has completed 27 transactions and projects for multinationals such as Ford, Visa, Kimberly-Clark, and they're seeking to engage innovation in both Israel and Europe and around the world their mission is to help their partners access cutting and cutting edge innovation and create new partnerships investment growth and growth opportunities access innovation is the host and organizer of conferences in 20 countries that connect entrepreneurs with investors and corporations and prior to access Ed was CEO of IDT Ventures with over 20 years of tech experience. He has been involved in technology as an entrepreneur, industry expert, investor, and deal maker. He has an MBA and BS in engineering from Columbia University. So, Ed, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Kimberly. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, it's nice to hear how much value you're bringing to people who are planning to start their startups. Yeah.
1: you know, this is such a great ecosystem. And, and first, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about your work
2: with startups and corporations. Well, for startups to be successful at a certain point in their lives, they're going to have to engage with a large corporation. And corporations more and more are relying on startups to help them find the next big thing. So a lot of our work is to align expectations and help the startups understand how is it that corporations work and from the corporation side, how could they best engage with a startup and how could they add value to that startup?
1: And, and you know, when you say, you say help startups understand corporations and, and corporations understand them, I mean, when you think of a startup and you think of an entrepreneur, um, you think of, you know, the, the, the guy or woman starting something in their garage or their cellar and, and um, they're not exactly you know uh, the corporate person okay and especially with the age they are today so um well what what is important about helping startups understand the corporate world
2: well there are different startups and different objectives for their startups but if a startup is looking to really become a unicorn which of course is the goal for some of these dreamers and even for those who want to have a successful business that will employ 20 to 50 people, at a certain point they're going to have to work with a large corporation. And just tonight I, I was talking to, to a company that has a, a, a cyber security defense system for car companies. And they were telling me how they were trying to get into a certain car company in Europe. It took them a year and a half And when they finally found the right person, within three months, she had left the job. And Mm -hmm. they were trying to understand what is the next step? How can we make this into a successful engagement? So I I think that startups really need those large corporations because those are the ones that can, with one order, change their whole business. But they also need to understand that they're just a very small part of what their large corporation is doing, and they need to, to basically... Um, invest a lot of resources in order to make that relationship succeed
1: mm-hmm. and I mean that's a super example because we all know you know the the turnover within the the corporate corporation ladders is is great and 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 if you're trying to make connection, then you have a different person so you know what what about your work with corporations? how do you help them make understand uh, help them understand that they need startups and why do they need startups
2: well We work a lot with Ford, as you mentioned. Over these past seven years, we helped them create a program called the Make It Drivable Challenge. And each year for the past seven years, we went to about 20 different countries looking for innovative startups that could help improve the life of drivers. Ford is looking at their business similar to how Apple looked at their business. About 10 years ago, Apple was a hardware company. They made phones, and every few years you bought a new phone. But when Apple decided to invest in the iTunes, they became a services company and the profit from generated from these services have, have increased and almost uh, overtaken the hardware side. And the car companies are looking for new services that can improve the lives of drivers, for commercial drivers and passenger drivers. But Ford is a manufacturer of hardware and they needed to understand how they could come up with services that people would be willing to pay for, that would give that value. And the fastest way to do it was to go to people who had already understood how people use apps, how people uh, were coming up with solutions to regular problems. Uh, I'll give you an example. Ford is a leader in commercial vehicles in, in a number of countries, and they have these small vans. Yet with the increase in home delivery through the pandemic, a lot of these packages that had to be delivered were stolen from doorsteps and people wanted those to be inside buildings or inside garages. So there was an app that was developed by a two-person company that allowed the driver of a Ford van to, on their dashboard, open up the garage door as they approached, put the package inside and then leave. And this saved a lot of time for both the, the drivers and made the whole delivery process very secure. And it was a simple idea. We we, we worked with a company in um, in Portugal. Uh, the city, one of the biggest issues that cities have is collecting garbage. It's one mm-hmm. of the biggest expenses. But when you have a refrigerator that you need to dispose of, that doesn't fit into a regular garbage truck. And when these gar- garbage truck drivers were driving down city streets, they, they didn't know what to do with it. So this startup had created a, a way to program the pickup of these, what they called monsters. And suddenly the the drivers knew that they could ignore these monsters. They could pick up the regular garbage. And then when the truck emptied or the different schedule, they were able to, to do that pickup. It made it a lot more efficient. And this was an idea they never thought of. And it saved millions of euros for this government in, in Portugal.
1: Wow. And and, I mean, really, really what you're saying it is, I mean, we all know corporations and and you're right. They get stuck on manufacturing. They get stuck on on what they're doing and and probably, you know, making their their current current processes better. But innovation is always difficult. okay? And um, they very often work in silos. So really, startups can can, you know, fuel that innovation, and, and kind of help them think out of the box. Is, is that the kind of cooperation you're seeing between startups and um, corporations?
2: Look, I think a lot of the large corporations are, are talking about innovation. Now mm-hmm. remember that about 90% of the new products and new innovations that come out of large corporations are developed from their internal R&D departments. Mm-hmm. But that 10%, which we call open innovation, they're looking for ideas outside of their traditional research departments. And that's really something that that you need to understand. And these companies have people that have very specific problems. And if you can solve a problem for one of those departments, then everything moves a lot faster. If you're just going to approach a large company with a new idea, it's going to be put on a long list of other ideas, That were developed internally. Mm -hmm. I had a call last week with a very large U.S. manufacturer of beverages and they were talking about their innovations and I I really like the idea. There are some ideas which they called will take the present forward. Mm -hmm. So they do what they're doing and they want to take it a little bit forward. But then there are other ideas which are future back so they're looking at what's going to happen in ten years, and they're trying to figure out wh- what could they find that will take them a little bit closer to that future idea, but they're not there yet. So those are two different ways of looking at new innovations.
1: Mm-hmm. And and that future back, I mean, um, if you kind of if you kind of go two years ago or three years ago before before the pandemic, I mean, I don't think any of us were really looking future back. <laughs> we were all kind of surprised with what happened. And and a lot of innovation came out of that, didn't it?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that no one would have imagined. Uh, well, if you talk about startups, Moderna was a startup. Mm-hmm. And Moderna basically changed the world in, in coming up with uh, an idea for this uh, vaccine with the RNA, which really mm-hmm. allowed people to... Um, solve a problem in a new, unique way that really saved so many lives. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So, I mean, what, we're going to take a short break in a minute, Ed, and what I'd like to come back when we, when we talk, I'd like to talk to you about kind of um, the current climate uh, and the outlook for startups and and a, a little bit about, you know, where, where the biggest startup ecosystems are located and, and what the future of those look like. And for our listeners today, we are talking with Ed Frank, and he is the founder and CEO of Access Innovation. And this is a Tel Aviv-based open innovation consultancy, which focuses on bringing cutting-edge technologies to clients to create growth and solves problems. And Access also works through working with uh, corporations and investors with tech startups on scouting innovation challenges, events, and investment banking. And before access... Ed was the CEO of IDT Adventures, and he has over 20 years' tech experience and has been involved in technology as an entrepreneur, industry expert, investor, and deal maker. He has an MBA and BS in engineering from Columbia University. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Access, please go to www.accessinnovation. And Access Innovation is, of course, on all social media under Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn, as well as Twitter, and also on YouTube. And Access also has their next large um, conference coming up on February 14th in Tel Aviv. And you can get tickets on accessinnovation.com for that conference. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search Networks serving 20 million SMBs across Europe. And Cinda has an e-learning platform in cooperation with BOSS Capital for startups and a special startup membership to help startups become part of their network. And Cinda and BOSS will also be at the Access Innovation Conference in Tel Aviv on February 14th. And we'll be holding a special workshop on February 15th after the conference. So for more information on that, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: on borders i'm kimberly lewis your host and our guest today is ed frank the founder and ceo of access innovation and access innovation is a tel aviv based open innovation consultancy which focuses on bringing cutting edge technologies to its clients in order to create growth growth solve problems or invest and um, we've been talking to ed about kind of why startups are important today and and why corporations should be interested in startups and why startups should be interested in corporations. But I'd like to move on a little bit, Ed, to, um, you know, startups, you know, it's kind of a buzzword and everybody's talking about startups. Okay. Um, and, and we're in a, you know, we talked a little bit about the pandemic and two years, everything kind of moved boom to digital. Um, but, you know, we're in kind of a different situation today. Um what, what is the what is the climate? What is the economic climate? Um what is the outlook for startups today?
2: Uh you you uh mentioned in your in your introduction at the beginning of the show that about 70% of the gen gen wires are looking to start and have their own business. I think that that's quite telling. Now, when we look at startups there are startups that are that are quite small that have something unique and it doesn't have to be based on technology it could be a new type of yogurt it could, it could be a new way of delivering a package it could be something along those lines or it could be something that is based on a patent I think um, you know you ask really what is the climate well in the current uh, economic, Climate, yeah, we're we're almost in a recession. And I think that a few years ago we had an event in France and it was around the time of the big crash of the stock market and people were discussing what is the biggest driver and the biggest financer to promote startups. And the answer was the unemployment office because mm-hmm. people, people in France who were laid off or who left their jobs have two to three-year unemployment full-time, almost with a full salary. And that was allowing people to live their dream, try new ideas. And you can see over these past 10 years how the whole startup system in France has flourished. We're seeing so many layoffs right now from large companies. And many of these people have great ideas and they're going to start and they're going to develop them.
1: I mean, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. You know, a little bit of time and and, 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 and pursue your dream. Um, and you said you, we're seeing a lot of layoffs, especially in, you know, tech companies. And, and um, so where do you see the disruption coming in different industries? I mean, we see a lot of tech layoffs. Is it going to be in tech? Is it going to be in medical? I mean, where do you think that the most innovation is and what kind of industries are going to come?
2: Well, in the last recession, we looked at some of the brands that are just so familiar to people, like Airbnb, Uber, WhatsApp, Slack. These were started during the last recession. And who would have imagined that? Mm. When I thought about, you know, what you're asking, the disruption, I think that everybody is talking now about chat, GBT, and talking about AI, and they're worried about jobs being lost But really, um, when you talk about what sectors are going to be disrupted, who who would have imagined that Uber would take the position that it has and your car, which is basically sitting idle for 95% of the day, um, how that could be used some of those other times. And I think that I see that transportation is one of the industries that will be disrupted cybersecurity is something that we are all so much afraid mm. of of identity theft i think that's an industry that is going to completely change and i think the way we see retail just coming out of the pandemic when so many people started ordering stuff online and products are being made in kitchens that are in garages I think that that has changed a lot, as well as um, just the whole way that we have the customer experience and personalization, and you're able to to, to, to get custom products, custom sneakers, uh, clothing with your name on it. And I think that those are the areas where we see some of the uh, biggest disruptions coming down the mm-hmm. pike.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it all goes by us so quickly, Ed. You know, I mean, you're right. Two years ago, we wouldn't think of you know foot traffic going away and 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 getting delivery as much or retail as much. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, the the customer the customer has changed also. Ed hasn't haven't we? Um, you know, our demands and our outlook on what we want has changed, and that also kind of um, helps create better innovation.
2: I think uh, yesterday I read an article about uh, Barnes & Nobles, which is now one of the leading bookstore companies in America, which came very close to bankruptcy when number of years ago when books were all bought online and the uh, electronic mm-hmm. readers came into play but people want a place to go they want an experience they want to get recommendations from a live person so i, I think that it, it is hard to understand how people um, crave that that personal interaction i, I read about um grocery stores in Holland where they have a special slow lane so that some of the older people who really enjoy the shopping experience who are not in a rush are able mm-hmm. to have a better shopping experience yeah. so I think that the more we um, you know, the more technology we have the, the more we don't always want everything faster and better so mm-hmm. it, it is it is hard to predict you know where the world is going
1: Kind of, that's kind of future backwards again. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, now it's not just about the industries; it's also about the areas. Okay, because when people say startups, they they immediately think, okay, Silicon Valley, boom. Okay, um, um, you know, and the economic survey in 2022 has showed that U.S., China, and India are the three three largest startup startup ecosystems. But but then you know we have kind of smaller countries, such as where you in Israel, that are known as the startup nation. So why why is Israel known as the startup nation?
2: Well, Israel is a very small country, and I think many of your listeners, if you ask them how many people live in Israel, they would be quite surprised to know that we have about 9 million people here. But we we punch above our weight, and we make a lot of noise. And I think that a lot of people... In Israel, who develop startups, and this is what I think is unique about Israel, are developing those ideas for other countries. And many of the most innovative companies here are, are specifically designed to solve problems in other countries. And I think that Israel is a country of immigrants. We have people here from every corner of the world. And people here are very forthright in their opinions. They're very fast to say, well, we have a better way of doing this, and it's worth a try and as I mentioned, we, you know, we work with a lot of large corporations like Visa or, or MasterCard or Kimberly-Clark. And it, it's always uh, amusing to me to see a company with $50, 100000000000 billion in sale meet an entrepreneur. And this entrepreneur, is, you know, t- tells this uh, large company, the way you've been doing it can be improved. And <laughs> I have a better idea. And they look at her and they say, well you know why do you think we can do it that way and they're like well you're making a mistake and and i just laughed because um she is not a, a, the head of a 50 billion dollar company she might have a good idea but it takes a lot to scale and mm-hmm. i think that um when you when you know, you mentioned the, the the volume of startups in india india is a vast country you know 1.4 billion people and very smart people and we did a project a few years ago for the government of india trying to make Um, collaborations between them and international companies. I think that um, the Israeli companies here have an idea. They'll develop it before they could even turn around. They're meeting international corporations, international investors, and trying to take that idea to the other end of the world. In India, India is vast. The U.S. is vast, and these people develop ideas. They start selling it nearby. They start selling it in their state, uh, the next state, and they don't have a need tomorrow to to take it global. And I think that the Israeli companies and Israel as a whole has become like a testing ground for new ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with I, I mean, you compare nine million to one point four billion, and um... You know, nine million—the market is not that big, so it would make sense that that most Israeli startups kind of look outside the market because they need to bring it to scale. And you're not going to bring it to scale with nine million, but you're going to bring—you know—whereas Indian would with 1.4 million. You're right; it could be their local you know, their local um, township or state. So, I mean, do you have a couple for our listeners, a couple examples like uh, of, of an Israel startup that was really successful that maybe all of us know, but we didn't know it was an Israel star, startup.
2: Yeah, I think the, the joke in Israel is, uh, you know, an Israeli uh, businessman and an Indian businessman get together and, and the Israeli businessman tells the Indian Gentlemen, between you and I, we have a market of 1.4 billion billion people. So I think that's 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 how they look at it. Um, in in terms of uh, ideas that have come out of Israel that I would say have changed the world, I think one of the most famous ones is Waze, and yep. the original idea for Waze came out of uh, people here trying to beat the traffic cameras, and they started doing <laughs> crowdsourcing, and that ended up becoming Waze, which is. Uh, really a new way to to draw maps with traffic every night every street in the world is redrawn by people who are driving with ways open Um, another another company who has changed the world and uh, is a company called uh, Netafim which developed drip irrigation and for those of you who are not familiar with that it's basically a a very small pipe that has uh, holes in it that drips uh, water onto plants. And this has changed the way that farmers all around the world have uh, grown agriculture. And it's it's so significant in so, par- so many parts of the world. Um, there's another company in, in Israel called Checkpoint, which uh, basically invented the firewall and invented the whole idea of protecting yourself from cybersecurity attacks, and now they're one of the largest companies on, on the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, another company I would mention is a company called Metanol, which developed the, uh, the stent, the stint, which is used in heart surgery and uh, improving blood flow. And now if people have certain uh, issues with circulation, they would basically have a very small incision. And the stent uh, saved so many lives. So these are some ideas that that were uh, generated from israel,
1: yeah, and and I'm sure there's many more and 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 one where one Israel. you have your conference coming up, um, access innovation, and um that's in Tel Aviv. So you know w- what is this conference about? Are you bringing are you bringing investors together? Are you bringing um, tech companies together, startups together? Can you tell us a little about that?
2: yeah it's uh, thank you for mentioning that yeah we we are based in Tel Aviv, and I think that we have a lot of international people coming, but people come to a conference for different reasons. I think that we have many startups who are coming who we have people who have an idea who want to see how they can develop that idea and how they could grow. We have startups that will be on stage who are selling in one part of the world. Who have a proof of concept and now they're looking for international partners we have investors who are looking for the next big thing and how to back it and there's lots of money with investors now and then we have corporations who are there who are trying to look for new ideas and new ways to 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 collaborate and then of course we are trying to provide an exciting experience so that people uh, understand really what is it about israel that has had you know over 400 multinationals have R&D centers and cooperations here. So uh, it's a taste of Israel. It's one day, and we are um, you know aiming to to. This is our tenth year of having this conference.
1: Yeah, and and, and why did you pick it Tel Aviv? Is it because Tel Aviv is this this innovation center? And I think I think Tel Aviv is called the um, center of open innovation. And um, can you say something about that? sure well we've had
2: conferences in in 20 countries and there are very many innovation centers around the world and some of the most successful ideas in business that you're familiar with this didn't start in israel so you know we we can't take credit for everything i think that um we we are based here and i think that we when we do work with large corporations and we have clients that range from Uh, food companies, to cyber companies, to banks, to credit card, retailers, manufacturing. There's always an idea here. There's always somebody in Israel who has an idea for how to solve a specific problem. So we start with Israeli companies, and then we go outside of Israel to other countries to look for innovative ideas. And there are many other uh, startup ecosystems that we collaborate with all across the world. I think that the the reason why we we start with Israel is because it's an exciting place. Um, People are friendly. The food is good. It's warm. And I think that uh, it's a very exciting place to be. And we have people already from 20 countries that are joining us, and we're quite excited about it.
1: Okay, great. So Ed, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, I just um, want to kind of talk about some of those other ecosystems, and then and then talk about you know a little bit back on startups and, and what makes them successful. I know you'll be talking about that at your conference also. Um, But maybe we can touch on it a little bit here in in this um, interview. So for our listeners, we are talking with Ed Frank, and he's the founder and CEO of Access Innovation, a Tel Aviv-based open innovation consultancy, which focuses on bringing cutting-edge technologies to its clients to create growth, solve problems, or invest. And um, they actually focus on... Uh, Scouting, Open Innovation Challenges, Events and Investment Banking. And if you'd like to learn more about access, you can go to www.accessinnovation.com. And as Ed said, there is a conference in uh, about... Uh, one week from now and it's on February 14th in Tel Aviv. You can learn more about that on the website and you can also go to them and look at access innovation on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and they also have a channel on YouTube. So please look them up and look up the conference. There are tickets still available. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search networks, serving 20 million SMBs across Europe. Uh, CINDA also has an e learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for Startups and a special startup membership to help startups become part of their network and help investors as well as accelerators help startups be successful and cinda will be at the access innovation conference on february 14th so to learn more about cinda please go to www.cinda.org and with that we're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about startups and the start-o, startup ecosystem around the world and why startups are so important for, for, all of us as consumers. They're important for corporations. They're important for everybody. Uh, And we're talking with Ed Frank, who's the founder and CEO of Access Innovation, a Tel Aviv-based open innovation consultancy with focuses on bringing cutting-edge technologies to its clients to create growth, solve problems, or invest. And so... um, We were talking a little bit before about we talked about what industries may disrupted, you know, and Ed, you talked about transportation, cybersecurity, retail, um, and and you know how these startups are helping our customer experience, and then we kind of talked geographically. Um, We all know that U.S., China, and India are three of the biggest ecosystems, and. And we talked about Israel and how important Israel is and, and why Israel focuses on on delivering their innovations to the world. But there's also, you know, the, it's, it's growing. We're seeing other smaller ecosystems. And I'm thinking kind of Estonia, the Netherlands. Um, you know, where are you seeing some of these, you know, where are these innovative systems popping up around the world? Yeah, th- thank you, Kimberly.
2: I, I think... Um... You'd be surprised. Um, Bulgaria, for example, they have a startup ecosystem, and in the last year, two of their companies achieved the coveted unicorn status. Unicorn is a startup that has achieved a $1 billion valuation. We work with um, some of the leading centers in Europe. It, I would say that all of the countries that are part of the EU, Germany, France, Swiss, Sweden, uh, I mean, Spain, uh, all these countries have developed startup ecosystems because they realize just how important it is for their countries, for their young people, and even for their corporations. So we've seen developments in Poland, which has a, a very strong startup ecosystem. We have actually at our conference coming up, Two universities, one from Hungary, uh, which is uh, working closely with AI and Mercedes Benz on so many new ideas. The IE University out of Spain, which has a center for entrepreneurship that has an international startup competition. And Portugal, we've worked closely with, uh, you know, when you look at Spotify, one of the most successful companies, which is out of Sweden. When they went public on the New York Stock Exchange, the Stock Exchange put up a flag from Switzerland. And I think that people don't always realize that there's a lot going on in many parts of the world. And many of the ideas that you're using today came for, from different countries. And I think that what's also important is, is really for, for start-uppers to develop an international network. And I think that's also one of the values of, of coming to a conference is to meet people from other countries and to and to collaborate and come up with new ideas together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right. That is important because, I mean, there are there is a lot And Bulgaria having two unicorns. That's that's amazing. And um you're right. The international network, and it is really good to see that universities and and corporations are, are starting to recognize how important this ecosystem is, and and I want to come to unicorn for a minute. Okay, so yet two unicorns coming out of Bulgaria, and you know, uh, it, it's not easy to become a unicorn. So I mean, when you when you talk about startup success, um, you know, is we know a lot of startups aren't successful, but is there kind of a formula that startups should listen to, Um, you know, or or business plans that, that they should listen to, to, to kind of fuel success? Well,
2: I I would say that um, we work a lot with startups and investors and corporations, and we have these conferences and we have startups pitching and these startups, you know, if we give them five minutes, it's never enough. If we gave them 10 minutes, it wouldn't be enough. If we gave them two hours, sometimes it wouldn't be enough. But the investors and the people on the other side, they know within 10 seconds, whether this is a good company and whether they wanna to talk to them. And And the, the number one criteria really is a good team. And do these people work together well? And is this the right team that can take this company to the next level? and the product and the size of the market, they're all important, but the team is pretty much the decision-making process for anybody who's going to to, to, to invest or engage with that company.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but it, when, when we talk about the team, I mean, you're right. I mean, and we, we think of that when we look at, you know, um, organizational management and corporations, and um, we always know that the, the team really delivers the, the common goal. Um, but startups are young and we talked about, you know, generation Z and, and, and yeah, a lot of them don't have a lot of business experience along the way. Um, how, how do, how do, you know, investors or accelerators, how do, how do they overcome that? Because I mean, an idea is, is great. A team is good, but then it comes to execution. So is there another step along this that, that you can advise that helps startups actually kind of find the business road to being success?
2: Well, I, I would say that um, once you have an idea and you have your team in place, one of the most common uh, faults that we see in startups and uh, is that the, the, the idea to under-promise and over-deliver. So mm-hmm. many startups meet a client and over-promise and under-deliver. And I think that, is really a a recipe for disaster because making a relationship with a client whether it's a corporation or whether it's just a local business you need to have realistic expectations and you need to understand how long it takes people to make a decision (laughs) and how much uh value they're going to get out of what you're trying to sell them Uh, in my experience before getting into to this world of investing in startups I worked for a startup and we started to sell to an international brand locally in Israel. It was Unilever and it was a successful engagement and we ended up leveraging that relationship to other countries and that helped us on the path and ultimately the company was sold to Oracle and it was a successful exit. I think that we made other mistakes along the way. We we were selling to another international brand and they were quite happy. And we told other companies that we were selling to that brand without permission. And when mm-hmm. that company heard about that, they said, well, we're not working with you anymore because all of the PR has to be approved. So I think that a, a little humility is important. I think underpromising is important. And I think um, having realistic expectations is also important. And I think that we were talking before about Israeli companies compared to other key uh, geographic areas. A lot of the startups in Israel are are getting international funding for their ideas. And from that first day, they're almost forced to, to expand at breakneck speed. But I think in some of the other countries, these startups expand as their sales grow, as their profits, and they're self-financed. And maybe they won't change the world, but they will have a successful business.
1: Yeah and and I mean that that's comes back to the subject that we talked about a little bit before. Um you know a, a country like Israel with 9 million probably has a a very limited market so they're forced to, to to look globally whereas another one may not be forced to look globally so you know depending on the startup I mean, do you think it's important to to look globally from the beginning or to really look locally or is it does it depend on on uh, the startup or and the geographic location.
2: Uh, today, I had the pleasure of listening to uh, a startup that did successfully get sold to a company called Akamai. And they were talking about how, when they expanded to other countries, the the inclination is to hire someone you feel comfortable with, hire an Israeli who happens to work in the country that you're targeting. But he was saying that really, you want your customers to feel comfortable. So you need to hire a local person in those countries. And each country that you open takes a lot of effort. So I think you know um, startups are quite opportunistic, but you really shouldn't you know bite off more than you can handle. And I think that it is okay to move a little slower, and it is okay to to not conquer the world from the first day. And I I think, uh, as I mentioned before, I think working hard to get international recognized brands is the most important thing you can do. As you expand, one of the companies that will be presenting at our conference in in two weeks, um, they've sold uh, a new uh, work reporting tool to McDonald's in Israel. And there's 5,000 employees in Israel at McDonald's. And they're planning to take that to other countries and leverage the fact that they've done a good job with McDonald's. And I think that, you know, the work that we do, we're a small company, but we have some big brands and we work with them in certain parts of the world and we leverage that. So I think that that's one of the reasons why we've put so much time in developing our corporate business, because I think that startups need that and the the corporations also need those startups. Yeah,
1: And, and actually in the end, Ed, it kind of comes down to networking, okay? you know, um, getting in there, as you said before, explaining to the corporations, getting into to networks where, where people can see it. And so, I mean, um, you know, how important are these networks for startups, you know, trying to get to the right place at the right time, such as your conferences, such as um, Sindo, who's going to be presenting at Access, you know, how important are networks for them? Look,
2: everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, when you make that mistake and you screw up and lose a lot of money, you, you think that's the first time that anybody has done that. But really, <laughs> other people have also done it and other people have made some successes and you learn a lot from other people. And I think that, you know, the Cinder Network in particular is, you know, gives these uh entrepreneur is a global network, a, a, a way for them to succeed and a way for them to avoid mistakes or when they have mistakes to realize, well, what do I do now and how do I get out of this mess? Mm-hmm. But I think that being an entrepreneur is is hard. It, it's sometimes a very lonely path. And I think that having a network is is probably one of the most important ways you can increase your staying power and achieve achieve your goals. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, Ed, we're getting towards the end of the show and just um, a couple last words for our listeners. Um, we know Access Innovation is uh, in um, in Tel Aviv uh, next week on the 14th of February, and then you have another one coming up in Dubai. Um, any last words that you would like to say to our listeners right now?
2: Well, I wish you uh, good luck in developing your business, and I think that when, if you're in a large corporation and you're trying to figure out what is it that we need to do a little bit differently, face a startup and give them give them a break and get back to them in a timely manner and mm-hmm. help them on their path to achieve their goals and uh, see if you can be aligned. And thank you very much, Kimberly, for hosting me today.
1: Well, thank you, Ed. It's been really informative. And for our listeners, um, we've been talking with Ed Frank, and he's the founder and CEO of Access Innovation. And uh, Access Innovation is a Tel Aviv-based open innovation consultancy, which focuses on bringing cutting-edge technologies to its clients and create goals, solve problems, and invest. Um, Access Innovation works with tech startups. Um, as well as investors and accelerators in scouting, open innovation challenges, events, and in investment banking. And Ed, prior to Access, he was a CEO at IDT Ventures with over 20 years of tech experience. He's been involved in technology as an entrepreneur, industry expert, investor, and deal maker. And Ed has an MBA and engineering from Columbia University. Now, if you'd like to learn more about access, please go to www.accessinnovation.com. Um, there you can also buy tickets for the February 14th event in Tel Aviv. And also they have another event coming up uh, later this, this spring in Dubai. And they are also on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. So please look them up. This is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search networks, serving over 20 million SMBs across Europe. They also have an e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups and a special startup membership to help startups become part of The CINDA Network. So if you'd like to learn more about CINDA, and they will also be at the Access Innovation in Tel Aviv on February 14th. And if you'd like to learn more about them, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, um, thank you guys for listening. I mean, uh, the world of startups and startup ecosystems are really exciting. Whether you're listening today from Bulgaria, the Netherlands, Estonia, Israel, U.S., India, or China, please listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss one of our broadcasts, don't worry because we're all over the web. All you have to do is put in Leadership Beyond Borders, and you will find us on every major podcast platform and direct with Voice America Business Channel. And with that, thank you very, very much for listening in today. And please don't forget to tune in next week. And with that, I say goodbye to everybody. Thank you again, Ed. Okay. And um, have a great week.